Alrighty, welcome to the first ever episode of the NSW Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Dave Reed. I am joined by my co-host, Ryan Wilkinson. What's going on, guys? <laughs> and Joey Gallo. What's up, everyone? It is Friday night of the NFL Draft. It's a little bit past 9 p.m. The second round has just been completed. Uh, so also, all of our kids are officially down, and we are ready to talk some football over a couple drinks. Yeah. Now, this podcast is de- dedicated to the nonstop fantasy weekly dynasty league that will officially be kicking off this Monday when we start our startup draft. And if you are listening to this, you are either a member of that dynasty league, a spouse of the member of that dynasty <laughs> league, uh, another family member or a friend of that person, probably listen to the podcast in the car and don't have a choice to listen to, or just some random person who I stumbled across it, saw the NSFW name, and are now very confused and disappointed by the content of this podcast. <laughs> uh, we intend to use this pod just as another element of fun for the league. Um, during the uh, offseason, uh, we're going to like uh, keep ramping up at the end of certain events, like the end of the startup draft, the end of the rookie uh, draft, and then as we get into preseason, start ramping up a little bit more. And once the season starts, we'll try to do this weekly. Um, we will start doing league trades and transactions, the NFL news and impacts, some power rankings, some upcoming matchups, a lot of trash talk, and much, much more. But first, uh, we are days away from kicking off the startup draft, and I figured it'd be a good time to run through the rules and settings of the league and just also how the draft works. Uh, and so everyone is feeling prepared for this new year. So jump right into it. So as I mentioned, we have the startup draft coming up. It is a veterans-only draft. That means all the rookies that are being drafted this weekend will not be included. It is 26 rounds because it is a super deep roster. That's how Dynasty works. It is snake style. So that means at the whoever has the last pick of the first uh, one round will have the first pick of the next round. Linear is another style of draft, which we'll get into later. That's how the NFL drafts. It is a slow draft, so every pick will have eight hours, up to eight hours to make their pick. Doesn't mean you need to use all eight hours, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but you have the ability uh, to wait eight hours to make your pick. If you don't make your pick within those eight hours, you will be skipped. The next person will then be able to make their pick. You still can make your pick. You all just have to reach out to me, and I can manually input it, but you will have to pick from whoever's now available. If anyone after you made their pick, it's, uh, they are off the board. Um, I will not be enforcing the time limit at, of the eight hours after 10 p.m. and uh, between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. because we all have lives and we do go to sleep. But within reason, if your eight hours ends at like 10.05 p.m., I'm probably going to tell you like you should have made your pick. Um, and also during the draft, all trades with your picks are f- not only allowed, but they are encouraged. So if you want to move up and get a player, you can. If you don't like anyone at your pick, you can move back. But those are the overarching rules of our startup draft. But with that, I want to open up some questions to some of uh, my co-hosts here to figure out what uh, what we need to hit upon. Yeah, so I've talked to some friends, and they hear the eight hours per pick, and they think we're crazy. And I've never done it before. So why do you think the eight hours per pick is a good idea? What makes it more fun than you know a regular two-minute-per-pick draft? Yeah, I can jump in, but Joe, let's uh, toss it over to you. Yeah, so a um, couple things off the top of my head that I particularly like about the slow draft. Um, it kind of allows you to, you know, like draft almost in real time as you're 
living your life, right? So you're like, you're at work and you get a notification on your phone. Someone just made a pick. Oh, let's see who the pick is. How many people until me? Start looking at who's there. Start looking at who you want. It's, it, it basically enables you to not have to set a specific three to four or maybe even longer hour block that you would need to do like a 26-man draft. Um, it also gives more time in between picks to do to contemplate who you want to take, right? Like the thing is you're drafting when you're drafting dynasty startup. These are guys that you're going to have on your roster for the duration. You're not going to, there's never going to be a, another startup draft. So if you want to take an hour, two hours to decide who you want to pick, you have that ability to do that. Third, Dave mentioned trades. There's a lot of instances where there's a guy maybe that you're really looking at that you really want and you want to kind of work out a, you know, I'll trade you, I'll trade up maybe two spots in the fifth round in exchange for, um, you know, your seventh or something of that nature. Um, it gives you the ability to spend time negotiating with other league members as well. So I think for me personally, I've always enjoyed this, the, the time period during the slow draft because it's almost like I'm doing my normal day to day, but at the same time, drafting drafting a fantasy football team and you know when it gets close to my pick then i start to think about who i'm going to draft and um yeah uh, you know like it's i think that it's maybe not necessarily the best approach for a a redraft you know like eight or nine person but you know when you're talking like 26 guys for a, fan, a dynasty startup where it's the only like startup draft you're ever going to do it i think it makes a lot of sense yeah and also to to Joe's point, I actually have a lot of fun. It's like, as you mentioned, like you're at work, you're during the day. You never know when your pick is actually going to come up because it could fly through around. It could slow down. Um, but it gives you something. And this don't get me wrong. It's going to take a long time. We're talking weeks here. It's going to take to finish this yeah. draft. Yeah. Uh, but you have something constant to kind of check on. And that's also like in the summer, there's no fantasy football going on, but in season, you're always checking your lineups. You got nothing else. So it's nice to have something constantly kind of check on, see what's going on. Um, and I will say earlier in the draft, it's probably going to go a little bit faster because it's more the bigger names. People know who they want. Later in the draft, especially the later rounds because it is deep, uh, you're going for backups on teams. So you need the time to kind of look into it. You wouldn't, if we were doing this live, you would not have, there's no sheet that's going to have these guys' names on it. Like you have to like go deep. You're taking shots. These guys may not stay in your roster, but you're taking shots. And if they hit, that's like a huge benefit. So that's also why you need that extra time to kind of do that extra research. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you guys both mentioned encouraging trades. Are there a lot of trades typically in Dynasty with an eight-hour pick? Like, do people generally trade up for picks? Or do people even try to trade after they've picked someone and then use that player to trade? Yeah, so I can jump in first. So what I commonly have found historically is, um, I guess, two primary instances. One, you know, like, you're, let's say... uh, there's a guy in the league who is uh, in need at running back and he, and he sees there's a tier break at running back. There's one guy available. And then everybody else after that is like in a different tier below that person. But there's maybe four people between uh, his pick and the current pick. He might reach out to the person who's on the clock right now and say, Hey, you know, what would it cost for me to move up these four spots? So 
the the proposition is, you know, like I'll move up to your spot, you move back to my spot in this round, and then what would I have to give you in exchange? He, you know, the agreement might be, well, you give me, you know, your pick in the next round, and then I'll trade you my pick in the round after that. So you'll move up four spots now, and then you'll move back in uh, the next round to the, to the round after that. Um, another thing that I commonly see is you're on the clock and you don't feel strongly about any player. And you see there are some guys up there that are potentially like, let's say you're flush at wide receiver. You went, you had a, an early pick, you went Justin Jefferson, and then you picked another wide receiver in round two. And now here we are in round four and there's somehow like wide receivers on the board, big name guys, you hear the league, like the league chats popping off talking about the wide receivers you don't need one like hey who wants this pick you know like come talk to me you know like so those are the two instances where like it's not necessarily going to be like a guarantee that it's going to happen but my suspicion with the way things have started off in this league i get the impression (laughs) that that's this is like type of crowd that will be into that so i think yeah yeah and the more trading the more fun right so like if people are willing to you know, there's no, there's no reason not to. It's all about getting your guy, right? You know, if you're, if you want to get your guy in a given moment and you're willing to sacrifice, like just, you know, later picks, later value as a result, then. Yeah. And to the point, especially talk about your guy, like at, think about dynasties, you own this, you could potentially own this guy for their entire career um, and versus redraft. So like you were going to have more emotional attachment to certain players potentially and like wanting to get that guy. So you'd be willing to make a jump up for it. The other thing is because it's dynasty, depending on how you're constructing your roster, if you're like going all young or if you're going to compete like right now, or you're just going for bets here and there, there's going to be vastly different values. So like we're in redraft, everyone kind of knows the same values of players because who's just going to be good for just that year. This is going to be very different. So like there is the ability to make a lot of change because I, as Joey mentioned, I may be at a point where I'm like, I don't like any of these guys, but that doesn't mean there's no one good on the board. It's just not jiving with how I'm constructing my roster. Someone else will be like, there are a ton of guys I want at that point and they'll jump up and get it. So I can't tell you how many times we've seen in drafts, like in other leagues where people are just like, all right, I don't really want this pick. Who wants it? And just like, literally, it is just like free for all. Like everyone just sent offers. I'll take the best offer. Or nobody Um, wants it. And then you're kind of throwing a dart. But, you know, like if you're ever stuck in that moment where you're like, I I just don't want any of these people right now. Yeah. You get the sense (laughs) that the league might be interested, right? Maybe you can grab two picks in the next round to trade back five spots, right? Like, you know, it's just kind of like, that's what I would, that's that's what I would say I most commonly see. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Any other questions relating to the draft? Uh, no, the one thing I want to bring up on the draft is just, uh, I don't know if we're, if this will be disseminated uh, before or after. Um, sorry. I don't know if this will be disseminated before or after the draft actually takes place. Probably will be distributed before. Yeah, I'm going to try to get out this weekend. Yeah. So, uh, Harrison, one of the league members, like recently had a kid, so he's been saying that you know, he's, he's probably going to use all the eight hours for his, uh, for each, each and every one of his picks. So <laughs> probably something to, uh, to anticipate. Shame him on ahead of time. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> or, or also, uh, you know, potentially if, if there's anybody that we're going to give potentially like a hair more leeway to, if he goes over the eight hours, maybe it'll be Harrison. Yeah, I guess. 
Speaking of Harrison, because we know he's mentioned stuff with the trades, people making trades pre-draft, I guess we could hit upon that right now, the reasoning for it. Uh, I know, Joe, do you have thoughts on it that you, you might want to throw out there? Yeah, so I think it's all, again, like there's a lot of projection involved and there's a lot of thinking about, you know, like who might be available in a certain spot versus, uh, you know, who will not be and thinking about, you know, who you who you want to construct your roster with you know like i think that in ryan's case you know like adding an additional first round pick in the startup draft if he's looking to construct his roster in a certain way potentially puts him in a in a more advantageous situation where he's willing to you know sacrifice mid-round picks you know i think that that is uh the whole like core conceptual uh, proposition behind making trades before the draft is looking at who you think you might want to have on your team and saying like, okay, well, if I really want to have uh, a top three or four quarterback and a top three or four wide receiver, well, then you're probably going to need to have two picks in the first round. So mm-hmm. is it going to cost me a third and a fourth in exchange for a fifth and a seventh in order to get two picks in the first round? And then you look and you say, well, who am I going to draft in the sixth, within the sixth and the seventh with those two additional picks? Is, is that kind of worthwhile? And, you know, I think that in a lot of instances, it all comes down to who's available and who the picks end up actually being. But if you are spending the time thinking about like guys that you definitively want on your roster, you might realize that you're going to need more picks in a certain round in order to get those guys on your roster. So I think that's where that's, for me personally, and maybe Ryan, maybe you could tell us what you were thinking specifically when you were uh, trying to acquire that additional first round pick without uh, obviously divulging too much of your strategy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we're going to go over it later, I know, but that was kind of our thinking. We were thinking, you know, we kind of want to get two studs and we just didn't think the stud that we would get in the second round is as valuable as the one we'll get in the first. So we're really trying to construct our roster around those two players. And we kind of looked at, you know, the number of players that we would consider really top tier number one guys. And we thought with the seventh pick, we could probably get two of them. So. Yeah. That, uh, that's one of the tips that I think we should have going forward. When you're uh, trading picks, put names to those picks. You can look at rankings, look at like mock drafts and you get an idea of like what player will be there. So you're not trading just a pick anymore. Think about that player that you're trading. It's a good way to think about valuing it. All right. Well, going in, at, now that we know how the draft works, you actually, you're drafting to fill out a roster. So I want to quickly go over the roster, some of the scoring settings, and, and also hit upon uh, the fab settings that we have set up too. So deep rosters. We also have a pretty deep starting lineup to kind of create some strategy involved. So you don't have like a short starting roster, so you can just have it, leave it and forget it. This actually you're going to have to tinker with each week and think about. So you have one starting slot for a quarterback. For running backs, you have two slots. Wide receiver, you have two slots. Tight end, you have one slot. There are three flex slots. So that could be a wide receiver, a running back, or a tight end. Then there is one super flex slot. And a super flex is either a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, or tight end. So literally, it's just like a uh, it's a joker card, basically. You can put anyone in there. 
With that, though, you're more likely going to one. We can get into the strategy later, but more likely going to end up starting two quarterbacks every week because quarterbacks generally score more points than other uh, starting positions. But you can put anyone in that slot. There are 16 bench slots, and you also get four IR slots. So you could draft players who are hurt knowing that you'll slide them in there and it open up another bench slot. That is a strategy that people go with. As far as scoring, oh yeah, actually, yeah, we'll jump into this. For those of us who have never had a super flex slot before, how valuable does that really make quarterbacks? I mean, when we're looking at the first round of this dynasty draft, I mean, is it going to generally be quarterbacks picked because they're now that valuable? And I'm assuming all 32 starting quarterbacks are generally going to be on a roster. Uh, yes, uh, and more. Uh, so yes, the first round. Yeah, you'll have backups that you have not even heard of before. So <laughs> the the first round, first two rounds will be quarterbacks for sure. Especially in Dynasty 2, the other factor is that quarterbacks have a long lifespan. So that's another reason why in Dynasty you'll want to draft them. But yes, you get to start too. So in redraft where it's single quarterback, especially in like summer release where it's only 10 teams, you can easily find a starting quarterback in the waivers for that. But if you're starting two, and this is now 12 teams, Potentially every week, there's 24 quarterbacks started. So, like, off the bat, that is what, like, 70% of the league's quarterbacks already got. But then there's bye weeks and injuries. So, everyone's going to want to try to get at least a third quarterback mixed in there. But you're also going to grab the backup because a quarterback could go down and then you automatically have a valuable player or a rookie who is going to eventually take over. So, yes, all 30, any, every starting quarterback will be rostered and almost. All, I would say most backups will be rostered as well in the league. And it does make it valuable because the other difference, again, with this, if it's one quarterback, the replacement value of a quarterback isn't a lot. Like if starting from like quarterback 10 to quarterback 15, like you're talking about like a difference of four points. But if you're saying in a, a slot where it could be a quarterback or a tight end that goes in there, you're talking about potentially a 20 point difference because uh, quarterbacks can score so many more. So the, the benefit or, uh, the advantage is always starting a second quarterback. So if you have two elite quarterbacks, say like I know in one league, Joe right now has both Josh Allen and Joe Burrow in it. I mean, those guys are putting, he has two roster spots consistently hitting 30. uh, Should be champ, champ, champ. Should be, should be back to back to back uh, winner, but unfortunately lost in the middle, but still it's a, it's a, it's a large advantage. Lord, so like think like, about what other players you need to make up that difference that Joe is getting every single week because of those two yeah. spots. Right, right. So almost going back to why you would want two picks in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're we're segueing into your trade pretty well. <laughs> we're, we're just teeing it up. <laughs> it's almost like if you think about it, like in a in a one quarterback league, everybody always values running backs the most because running backs. Right. If you have a solid running back, his ceiling in a week is like right. twenty or twenty five points, right? So you're like gotta like lock in running backs. Quarterback, it, their baseline is higher than running back, and if you add another slot on your roster where you can have another player that's going to lock in that same value. Yeah. Now suddenly, uh, the 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 value of quarterback is skyrocketed. So mm-hmm. it's not to say that uh, you would go into a dynasty superflex format and say, well, quarterback is significantly more valuable than a top wide receiver, right? Like in this particular format, I don't know where I would rank Justin Jefferson, but there there are a couple quarterbacks I would take before him, but not many, you know, like because. Mm-hmm. You obviously like wide receivers still have a long a, tr- a career trajectory as well, mm-hmm. and they still score quite a bit of points. 
Um, you know, quarterbacks still get injured. Quarterbacks still get replaced. Quarterbacks are still streaky. So it's not to say that, like, quarterbacks are far and away the more valuable option. It's just that relative to a, to a, a format where you're only starting one quarterback, uh, there's a lot more value because you can increase that that baseline on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. yeah. And and we'll get into the, the dynasty strategy too, but Joe, to talk about, like, the, it's not – Quarterbacks aren't like the end all be all. Like, yeah. obviously, re- like running backs are still super valuable. Having wide receivers are super valuable. We have you can start technically five running backs in this league if you have them. So, like, you still have. There's a lot of strategy involved. It kind of makes like the value across all positions a little bit more equal because in sim quarterback, you're not trading for quarterbacks in those leagues. They're not as important. But now because superflex, they are they carry a lot more weight in trades too. So that also that's the difference there. Yeah. Um, moving on to some of the point scoring, because this actually will factor into some of the uh, uh, players and values that you're drafting for as well. So it's a half-point PPR league. Passing TDs, which will actually help the quarterbacks get it. It's a six-point passing TDs. Um, and for any TD that is 40-plus yards, you actually get a bonus two points. So if you throw for a touchdown over 40 yards, run or receive one, you get a bonus two points. Just like an, another little wrinkle if anyone has long twos. You don't really plan for that, but just like fun in a week if it happens. Um, so interceptions are minus two, but there's a wrinkle pick sixes. You'll actually lose an additional point. So if you throw a pick six, that's minus three. So again, you can have quarterbacks, but if you have quarterbacks that throw a pick, say like Zach Wilson was playing, I would not be drafting him because he's going to be making points in a week. Um, also with fumbles. So if you, uh, fumble a ball at all, it's minus one. If you lose that fumble, it's minus two. So a lot of leagues it's minus two, just by losing a fumble, still same thing happens, but this is saying if you're fumbling and your team still recovers, you get docked a little bit for it. And the biggest thing to factor in, this is a tight end premium league. So what that means is it's half point PPR, except for tight ends. Tight ends, it's a full PPR. Um, and all that does is kind of bring up, again, the the waterline or baseline for tight end scoring because tight ends, except for one or two, are generally pretty useless in today's game right now. Uh, but we want to, again, increase the value of multiple players. If it creates a lot more strategy, we have multiple flexes, maybe you put a tight end in. So if a tight end is getting uh, multiple receptions, they'll get a full point P- uh, PPR. It won't change the game vastly, but it does give them a little boost. Obviously, someone like Kelsey, that person will get a little bit of boost, but he is also on the elder side of his stage. But again, we'll get into the dynasty uh, strategy. But uh, yeah, Joe. It's a nice wrinkle to add, especially in a super flex, to, 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 to more balance the scales where you're saying, all right, we're going to tip a little bit more towards quarterback, so let's tip a little bit more back towards tight end mm-hmm. as well. You know, like it, it kind of kind of throws a little bit back, back towards the tight end position. And also, for what it's worth, I just want to also mention that in the uh, in the Joe Burrow, Josh Allen League, also have Travis. <sighs> Yeah, we, yes, for, he's yeah, got a lot I of mean, <laughs> I was curious how much you would say it increases a tight end's value. So I could see it increasing the very top tight ends, but does mm-hmm. it really make the mid tier, low end tight ends any more valuable? More, it's more of a start. I wouldn't draft differently, to be honest. Yeah. I would. It would be start sits decisions that to me make it a little bit. And if you're like throwing in sweeteners and deals. Um, but also, like, if you have a mid-tier tight end, they're a little bit more valuable because those guys could get, like, six to eight catches potentially in a game where that would have been three to four. It's now six to eight points in that week. So, yeah. 
There's a lot of guys in that range uh, who catch a ton of balls. Well, not a ton of balls, but who, like Dave said, catch like anywhere between four and seven balls a game at the tight end position, but they're all like underneath, you know, Mm -hmm. balls for just like absolutely no yardage. And in a half PPR, then you're looking at like, you know, let's let's say like six for 40, which is uh, like seven points, right? If you don't score a touchdown, um, you know, in a full PPR, that becomes 10. If one of those actually goes for a touchdown, that becomes 16. So like, you know, it, it puts it in, it gives the, it, it makes the position less of a throwaway. Maybe let's word it that way, right? Like you'd, you might be inclined if you don't have Kelsey Pitts, Andrews to just say like, whatever, I'll just start whoever at tight end because at tight end five through 26 is, is likely to score within like five or six points of each other. All right. Well, moving Ooh. on. One other thing that's unique about uh, our league, we, we are a fab league. So that's a free agent acquisition budget. I, I think pretty much everyone in the league has used that now, but we are year round. So obviously in redraft, you have your budget starts at the beginning of the year, ends at the beginning of the year. But how do you handle that in a full year? So you actually get two fabs the way. So if you have an off-season fab and an in-season fab, we are currently in the off-season. So everyone's going to be starting with a hundred-dollar budget. And in uh, after this upcoming season, in the wild card weekend, when technically the regular season's over, everyone will get replenished a hundred dollars in their budget again. You can use that all off-season to pick up any players that are in, uh, available on waivers. Then on the the first Wednesday before the first NFL game, so because I believe the first game is on a Thursday, we're going to flip it. Everyone gets replenished and gets the $100 budget again. You cannot go over 100 So if you don't, if you have fab you, and you didn't use it, you can't carry it over, roll it over to the to next fab budget. But if you used up all your fab, you're going to get replenished. And then you'll have 100 bucks again to start the season. And you have that for the whole regular season. The end of the season, again, as I mentioned, you'll get replenished 100. So that's kind of how it goes through. I can't imagine the off-season fab gets used too much. I mean, with with 26 (laughs) people on a team, there can't be that many people to use it on, no? So it ends up being used on, um, like, the best usage that I've ever had of my off-season budget was two or three seasons ago in one Dynasty League. Uh, James Robinson was getting carries on on Jacksonville in camp, and it was kind of a situation where I was like, "Oh, James Robinson, like looks good in camp." Nobody had heard of James Robinson until that point. They didn't have him on a roster. He was sitting. He was undrafted. Yeah, it was like a week before the season started, and I had ninety seven dollars of my off season fab left, and it was basically like, "All right, I'm just going to throw ninety seven dollars on James Robinson because in three days this fab is going to reset anyway." And James Robinson still is in the league and he was a good asset. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where you almost want to like the way I personally do it. And, you know, people would, would argue there's different strategies. My strategy is to just hang on to the budget until OTAs and camp starts. And then once the draft is done, and then once you kind of like hear a little buzz about somebody that's, that's on the wire and you just dump the full budget in there, try and grab them. And, you know, kind of go from there, right? Like to your point, you're not going to be, you don't need to savor it. Like you're going to be making multiple moves. It's, it, to me, it's kind of just like a save it up and go big when the time comes. 
Yeah, it's not a high volume time the off season, but it, there are players to show. Players sometimes come out of retirement and they happen to be in waivers, so you go after that. Like so, like you could like as you mentioned, Joe had ninety six. That meant he used four dollars on someone else. So there are little things here and there you're trying yeah. to grab yeah. players on, but the biggest things is during uh, preseason too, because there's injuries in preseason. So players come up yeah. in the depth yeah. chart that you wouldn't have expected. Like they yeah. could have been like the Baltimore Ravens. They lost four of their running backs. So, like, no one drafted the fifth running back on that team. But that – so, like, you're throwing weight money at that guy to get it. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name at this point, but I had him on my team. I was excited. And then he did nothing the regular season. But I threw by $100 at him. Yeah, um, you may as so, well use it, right? Yeah. But even something like Geno Smith. So, Geno Smith, as I mentioned, like, backup quarterbacks usually are taken. But, like – not people, no one was viewing Gino as like a legitimate backup in the preseason, but then he got a little bit of buzz and like, oh, maybe he could beat what is it, Drew Locke going out? Yeah, this was a less out, but me and Joe in another league, I just picked him up. I actually didn't even use that much budget, I just grabbed him because like no one was looking at this guy. It was all, it all look at him, he just got paid like 100 million dollars because like yeah. he just kind of scared up. So you listen to the buzz in the preseason, and that's usually the type of guy you start throwing your fab at. All right, makes sense. Be surprised, right? Twenty six guys on a roster. There's still a lot of guys who are at, at, like out of relevance that can trickle back into relevance very quickly, mm-hmm. depending on injuries and whatnot. If they're like the fourth or fifth string guy, and then two injuries before them, and now all of a sudden they're relevant again. People also make dumb drops in one of our leagues. Uh, as a rookie, someone dropped uh, Deontay Johnson. Uh, yeah, Ray, and then one of our guys picked him. I tried to again. I I had one less dollar left in my budget. I had ninety nine dollars, and yeah. I lost the hundred dollar bid. Uh, but like, yeah, people make mistakes too. So like, you you're just always paying attention. Um. All right. So moving on. After we finish our startup draft, as I mentioned, those are veterans only. Then we're going to do our startup uh, or start rookie draft. So the rookie draft, it's going to be the reverse order as the startup, just to kind of create some uh, level playing fields since some people got the advantage in the startup draft. So this will be reverse order, and this will be only the rookies that just come in. It's going to be five rounds. It's going to, again, be a slow draft, but again, only five rounds, so it won't take as long. It should probably take like a week or two to get through. It's going for this one only. It's going to be a snake draft because again, I don't want to give anyone too big of a value, uh, like advantage. But in the future, every year there's a five. There's a rookie draft. There's five rounds that we're going to do for incoming rookies. Future ones will be linear, like how the NFL draft does it. So whoever had, whoever came in first place, will have the last pick of every round. Basically, and whoever came in uh, last place will have the first pick. So that's kind of how it'll it'll work because you're trying to get the bad teams to get good again. Um, and the one thing I will also throw in there is I, to try to cre- uh, limit tanking in future rookie drafts, the bottom four teams are going to be thrown into a lotto, um, for those picks. So you, you don't, just cause you come in last doesn't mean you get the first pick. You could get the fourth pick. There's going to be a lot of there, so it's not guaranteed there. Um, but all the other rules will be exactly the same as we did for the, the sort of veterans draft. It's just going to be only for rookies. But with that, what we also have in here is something called a taxi squad. So this is unique. Not a lot of people use this, but I actually do think there is benefit to the taxi squad. So what the taxi squad is, is you have you can only put a current rookie on the taxi squad. You have up until the beginning of the NFL season. So 
basically think about when the uh, in-season waivers, uh, like the in-season fab budget rolls over, that's basically when it's going to lock. So when the first NFL game starts, you can no longer put anyone on your taxi squad. So you have all off-season to decide if you want to put your rookie on your taxi squad or not. What? Why this is the decision. If they are on your taxi squad, they are not on your active roster. They don't go against your roster limits, but you cannot start them. They are not an active roster, so you're just holding there. But you can elevate your rookie from the taxi squad at any point. But once you elevate them and the season has started, they can never go back to the taxi squad. So they are now taking a roster spot. But you may want to elevate them because they could be like, say, last year, someone drafted Garrett Wilson and had him on the taxi squad. Garrett Wilson became a very valuable asset. You need to get him in your starting lineup. You elevated him. But they can stay on there. Now, in future seasons, that per player can stay on your taxi squad up until they uh, – for the first three years of their career. After three years, if they've reached year four, they have to be elevated. So the purpose of a taxi squad is, is if you take a rookie, usually like the later rookie round drafts, you're taking shots on players. They take years to develop. Could be a quarterback, a tight end. Rather than have to worry about dropping them or making a roster decision, they can sit on your taxi squad, let them develop, and if they become something, you can eventually move them up because a lot of people draft someone, have to make a roster decision, cut the guy, and then a year later, they're great. And it, that's thing. So this gives you the ability to develop. So you get six roster spots. Um, before we have questions on it, Joe, you made some celebrations that I'm very yeah, interested to hear the about. the Giants yeah. have selected, at pick number 73, Jalen Hyatt. The really? He fell that Tennessee, far? Yeah, who was actually the uh, award winner for the best wide receiver in college football last year. 15 receiving touchdowns, most in school history. Very, very strong wide receiver. I like the value. I like wow, the – And Tillman goes right after him. Yeah. <laughs> who I like as well. Yeah. Very, very, very strong value for the Giants. I like it. We, we know they needed a wide receiver, and I think that's a good one to get, for being honest. Cornerback, center, and wide receiver. Those, yeah. Those, that's that's awesome. what they needed. We digress, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we are uh, – It was, it was so, a big pick for the Giants. Uh, I needed to yes. interject. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm, I'm liking the Giants draft. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, Taxi Squad, any, uh, any questions on that? I guess my only question would be, especially this first year starting – you would want to put six guys in the taxi squad no matter what to start the season, right? And then and then you could just elevate all six if you wanted to. Yeah, so like the rookie draft is five rounds, so only five will go there, but there will be some rookies potentially undrafted. I'm not going to lie, after five rounds, most of those rookies are probably trash, but it doesn't hurt to take them and throw them on your taxi squad and then cut them at a future point. So that's fine. So at yeah, least you don't have to, at least they don't have to take up these like trash guys that you're just like throwing the dart at in the fourth or fifth round. Exactly. Take up a spot on your active roster. Like in other leagues where we're in, where there's no taxi squad after the rookie draft, you have to go and drop five guys for the five guys that you just drafted to make room for them. Right. So you're either dropping guys who you had on your roster who you think might be valuable or you're just dropping guys that you literally just drafted, you know, like, so there's, there's value in having that as just like an extra spillover. That's not part of the active roster. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, awesome. So 
With that said, the, there's a couple other wrinkles we have. I do I have pinned it into the sleeper channel for us, but I'm sure most people don't realize that you can do that in the uh, chat box. But there's a link to what I have is like our league central. Uh, central. It's a Google Doc. It has the link to the bylaws. It has like the link to all the payment schedules. It will eventually have links to these podcasts as well. What it also has is. Um, where every week I'm going to be inputting the weekly high and the weekly low score of week. So one of the, I think is a fun wrinkle we have in this league. One thing I've done in other leagues is whoever has the highest weekly score ever of the year, whoever scored the most in any given week for the full season. So if it was like week 12, Joe put it by 250 and no one beat that for the whole year. Joe's going to get paid a hundred bucks as part of it. So, but we're going to track that. So you can see who's beating it and tracking it. What we also have is the weekly low. Whoever has the lowest score ever, which is just like an embarrassing thing to begin with, um, you have to pay 50 bucks, and that 50 bucks is going to go to the toilet bowl champion. So the whoever wins the toilet bowl, so it gives you incentive if you miss the playoffs, you can still win 50 bucks. But I don't want to take that from like the league's pool. So it's going to come from whoever just had like a really trash week is going to have to pay, and that will go to the toilet bowl champion. But it'll be fun because if you have a really just – trash week and you end up being you can have a great team just have a trash week you're going to constantly look and just pray someone had a worse week than you every week going forward so it uh it'll be a fun little ring that will be fun i like it i really like that (laughs) but with that that is the league settings if anyone's questions like honestly feel free to reach out to us uh about anything happy to discuss the bylaws as i mentioned will be in that link though as well but moving forward again i know a lot of people listen to this and in the league it's their first time doing dynasty uh, so, I mean, I'm one where I like the whole league to like uh, know the rules, be caught up and to have as much of a fun strategy game as possible. I don't like taking people who don't know what they're doing and like get taken advantage of or just make dumb mistakes. So I kind of just want like everyone to be uh, well-versed in the dynasty world. Yeah. Um, so with that, like, I know me and Joe, we, we mentioned we've done dynasty for a bit, Ryan, I know you're somewhat new to it. I figured this would be like a good forum for you to maybe ask some questions that you or maybe anyone else in the league that you've talked to may have had questions or concerns about going to dynasty and, and hopefully we can alleviate those concerns. Yeah, absolutely. I got some questions for you guys. So First one, and we kind of already touched on this, but having done that startup draft before for a dynasty league, how do you weigh an early round pick versus like a mid round pick versus a late round pick? To me, it seems like an early round pick would be so much more valuable uh, compared to a redraft league, but I kind of want to hear from you guys what you think. Go ahead, Dave. You can go first. Uh, Yeah, so I mean... Yeah. Yes. Earlier round picks are going to be more valuable in general, but again, it could vary a little bit on what you're trying to do or who you're targeting there. Uh, again, what, whenever you're trading picks, you should try to put names to those picks as much as possible, but earlier, like first round picks and like, it does start dropping later on, but first round picks are going to be more valuable because you're getting like the elite of the elite. Like these are like players that generally are going to be near impossible to trade for like after the start of draft, you, you could trade for, but it's going to take a haul to get these guys once they're on the team. Um, like we're talking like the top five, six quarterbacks, like those guys that like you're going to have to send multiple rookies picks, elite players to get these guys after start draft. Even like the top tier wide receivers, like Justin Jefferson, Jim Marchese, those guys are very hard to get. So like when you get these elite guys, those are staples on your roster for years to come. As you start going down, like they're, Honestly, I start I start feeling like after the first and maybe second round, there are definitely like more valuable players in mid tier, but they become less valuable because that's when 
the values and who starts wanting what gets a little bit more um, muddled based on age and type of position you're going to. So like anywhere from the next like few rounds, there will be tier breaks, but it's not as drastic as like the first and second round to me. Um, and then when you start getting later, that's when you start getting like dark throws um, and stuff. So like those guys couldn't be great, but like the, you're looking at like the percentage chance of a player being great, right? Like, the first round, like you already know that's the, also the benefit about the veteran draft versus rookie drafts. Like, you know, who's good. Like, Rookies, you, you're speculating, and there's, like, a lot of data there. But veterans, like, I already know, like, Patrick Mahomes is, the be- like, one of the best quarterbacks. I know Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks. And they're going to keep being the, one of the best quarterbacks for, like, another 10 years. So, like, there's no question there. So, it's also, like, a safe pick where, like, later ones, there's a little bit more risk. Yeah, and I, and I think what's important is – the, the turnover in the NFL is so intense and so quick that you think that picks that you're making now uh, are going to be especially relevant in the future. And the reality is that guys that you're picking are, are like, I mean, for an example, like I'm, I'm bringing up like in the dynasty league that we were talking about recently where I have a lot of success the guys that I, I took DeAndre Hopkins in the first round, he's not on my roster anymore. I took Kelsey in the second round. He's still on my roster. I took Keenan Allen in the third, you know, like I still haven't taken a quarterback at this point. I didn't take a quarterback until round six, you know, like, at, you know, like you, and, and in my mind, my thought was like, well, you know, when we do the rookie draft, um, you know, I'll grab a quarterback then. And I was lucky enough to have the, an early pick because my team stunk probably because I didn't <laughs> take a quarterback until round six. And then I grabbed the <laughs> but, the thing, the point being is that, you know, similar to a snake draft in a, in a redraft league, got like the, the, the top guys, the guys drafted in the first round don't always and are commonly not the, the highest scorers in a given season, right? Like the guys that you expect in certain instances they are, but you know, like if you look at, you know, year to year consistently, the top 10 the top 20 in each position. There's always guys that were drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round that managed to pop up into the uh, into the top 10 or top 20. So the same thing's going to go for this this startup draft where, you know, maybe there'll be a couple of guys in the top five where you can like seriously pencil them in as, you know, like without putting the, 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 the hoax on any of these guys. You know, make someone like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like you take Patrick Mahomes, like you, you're, you're pretty, you're, you're okay for however many years, right? But how many Patrick Mahomes are there in the league? Not a ton, as, even at the quarterback position, right? Like Justin Herbert, you would think, you might think Justin Herbert is like as locked and loaded at the quarterback as a court at the quarterback position as anybody, but you never really know, right? Like it's not, it's not, it's not, nothing is ever, ever written in stone in fantasy football, which makes it as challenging and frustrating as it is, especially with the injury risk and, and whatnot. So what I would say is like, try not to tilt too much. And, you know, like if you don't get the, the studs that you want in rounds one and two, you know, stay like, stay focused rounds four, five, six, seven, eight, nine will be just as valuable, if not more valuable than the guys that you take in rounds one and two. Yeah, I think actually in that same chat. I mean, I don't own. I think any of my players that I drafted. I I also like a yeah. Trader. I'm quickly going to scroll over to your team. I, I flip. Yeah, Todd I flip Gurley, over my team. Break. Definitively. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so this, so, so this was dropped. 2019, which wasn't that long ago, right? Four, we're talking four years, right? Like four years, you would think like it, it, the impression is, well, I'm drafting guys that like I'm going to have on my roster like four, four or five years from now. Yeah. Dave's, Dave's first five picks here were Gurley, Tyreek, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Evan Ingram, right? So which, like I should say that first year, I didn't lose – a single game until yeah. the playoffs. I, no, and, and again, I like, annihilated not, people that. I don't want to make this seem like yeah. Dave's team was very strong at the onset. But those of the teams, team, but those players oh. all now stink. And then after that, Rashad Penny, and then after that, Kirk Cousins. Like of those first seven, the only person out of that seven. Oh, actually, there's two: Tyree Kill and Chris Godwin. They have lasting dynasty value. Yeah, but the rest, you know, so it's trash. Yeah, so you yeah. don't necessarily need to. I, I did get Mark Andrews late, though, and I was a big Mark yeah. Andrews guy. Yeah. <laughs> but again, right, like, and maybe to prove our point a little more, if I look down, you drafted Lamar in the 10th. He's still great value. You drafted Mark Andrews in the 12th. Austin Eckler in the 13th. Uh, wow, some great late-round picks yeah. there. So that, so, so that actually, that, like, kind of highlights exactly where uh, the, the value, like, down the road, you know, yeah. like it's not necess- you don't necessarily need to. That, I will need- say the mid round is where you win. Uh, the first round is like everyone's going for the same stuff. You get the value middle rounds of draft, and that's where you can really make a difference. Yeah, but that, you that also have to get lucky. Point. It's not easy, but you have to get lucky. Yeah, yeah. and it brings up a good point because to hear those names that late in a draft, you know, yeah. obviously that was four years ago, but those are all studs right now. So it's crazy mm-hmm. to hear that. And then kind of along that line, so how would you value the older players? I'm assuming it it kind of depends on your strategy, but we've mentioned Kelsey a lot. You know, he's 33 years old, but he's a stud right now. You know, would you take an earlier round pick on him or do those guys generally fall a little bit just because of their age? So my take personally is I wouldn't let age deter you too much from taking some of the older guys. And that goes for the draft, that goes for on the trade market, because um, ultimately everybody's trying to win each year, right? Like you can't you can't always be playing for the future because then you're not going to ever be in a good position to win now. So somebody's going to draft Travis Kelsey in the first two or three rounds of our draft, most likely. And that person is going to have a, a strong advantage at the tight end position at, the, at a minimum this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after that. If their team is bad, they're going to have a strong trade piece at the deadline for a team that is trying to compete this year. So don't let the age deter you too, too much. I would say maybe at the running back position, that's one position where the age, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily be running to grab like Zeke in the early rounds of this draft because running backs fall off a cliff a little steeper than other positions. But at the same time, right? Like Zeke could be very valuable this year to a team who ends up winning the title, you know, like good example. I traded for Dalvin cook. I traded this year's first round pick in the rookie draft for Dalvin cook at the start of last year's season. Dalvin is a guy in dynasty that I'm kind of, kind of like looking to offload right now. Uh, He's, he might be cut by the Vikings. Like, he's not necessarily, like, a great dynasty asset. But 
he is he was worthwhile for for me to add and he contributed to me winning the title this year so just keep in mind like you definitely you definitely want to uh keep the format in mind and be cognizant of the fact that you're going to have these guys on into the future but it's not baseball you know like things change very quickly in the nfl like within a second like one like you could you could be all set and then all of a sudden like you're you're starting running back tears his Achilles and then that's it. Now you have a huge hole and it'll never be the same again with this guy. So, you know, like try to, try to strike the balance. I mean, it's not perfect, but try to strike the balance between the future and now. Yeah. Age, age is a factor. Young players definitely carry more. People get excited about young players. So there's nothing better than getting in on a player before they blow up. And like everyone wants that, like you, you get, you feel super pumped and you get that attachment to it. But people also like, go a little bit overboard on devaluing older players there. Like the point of the game is to win. And if you're constantly like what you need is like these veterans are still like performing and can help you win, but players are devaluing they won't trade for more. They're just like offloading these players there just to keep playing for next year and get younger players and go forward for that. And like, which that's a fun strategy, but like it's a hard way to win that way. Is if you're just, if you're not taking the veterans, the veterans will help you get there, and that does matter. So like, yes, youth is a factor, but people over-index on it too much, and and that's something you want to be a little careful of. So it sounds kind of like the the teams that try to go for the long-term strategies, sort of trade away now for those rookie picks in the future might not really be as successful almost because you don't know if those rookies are going to perform. Yeah. They're all shots. And like, don't worry, I've done, I've, I flipped over one of my teams once and I'm like, but I'm like feeling pretty good about it where I'm now. But I also, there's teams that are just forever rebuilding. <laughs> like they are never getting it right. And they're just like, but it's also like, it's fine. It's a fun way to play because you can't get emotionally hurt if you always think you're stinking and rebuilding. So I guess that's like why they go for it. But like, they, they just are never making that leap up and they're never trying to win. Yeah. I, I will say, I will say that's what makes Di- that's what makes dynasty fun is yeah. right now I'm in a position in one of my leagues where I've won two of the last three years, but I have Dalvin cook and Austin Eckler as my running backs. And Eckler is a guy who has basically been a key contributor to a, a championship and a runner-up or the year before, but he's requesting a trade. He's getting a little bit older. Do I try to trade him now and capitalize before he hits the cliff? You know, like th- that's kind of like the balance that you got to strike where it's like, you know, does my team, if my team is in a position where I think I can win this year, I'll take all the bets because I know they're going to be strong. I know they're going to compete and I, I, you got to win, right? Like at the end of the day, it's about winning. So I'd rather win this year and figure it out the next two or three years after than constantly, like Dave said, constantly be playing for the future. Yeah. And in terms of rebuilding, when you're looking at the rookie picks, you know, how do you guys value those? Like when it comes to trading, would you put more weight on someone that's performing right now and in the league versus like a first round rookie pick? Or do you put a lot of value in those first round rookie picks? Cause that's where you're going to get someone like Burrow when he's coming out of college. And uh, so rookie picks are funny cause it depends on what point of the year you're at uh, right now in the off season leading into the rookie draft, rookie picks are much more valuable. People want to make those picks when we're in season 
and I've done like this is how I've been able to flip my teams over. I collect as many picks as I can in season. So I, I flipped all my players for picks in season because people don't care as much about their picks during the season because they're trying to win. Rightfully so. It's like the right move to go there. So like they're willing to like they know certain teams are in the rebuild mode. They have a strong team, and rather than give up a current strong asset, they'll give up a rookie pick. So you can collect those. Then once the season ends, everyone wants rookie picks. And then you flip. So like that's one thing to kind of factor into is like the value of a rookie pick is going to change throughout the season depending where you're at. Um, now with it too, rookie picks, depending on the round and how early in a round it is, can mean vastly different things. Joe's got the one-on-one rookie. That thing is might as well be like, the 104 in our startup. That thing is like, Bajan is like, a, is a first round pick in startup rounds. So like, that's a super valuable pick. Um, I have like the 102, still don't know which quarterback I'm going to go with there, but that's probably, and again, like the best way to look at it is like, people have rankings of vets and rookies mixed in. And that's like a good way to kind of value it compared to like the rounds. If you're, if you're thinking about using your rookie picks in the startup draft as a thing, like that's kind of like, you can see certain rookies like, Oh, he's ranked in like 45. Like uh, maybe he's like in startup, like a fourth or third round pick. Like that's kind of how you can start viewing it that way. It's going to completely depend a lot, but it also depends on the team. Like certain people put in extra emphasis on rookie picks um, on top of it because they are in a rebuild. So it also depends on who you're talking to. Other teams may not be like, I don't want to give up any asset because I'm trying to win. I don't want to, I, I don't need your rookie pick right now. That's not going to help me in my situation. So it also depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, that makes sense. And what are some I also of say too, one other thing is for me, I don't necessarily value rookie picks outside of the first round super highly. Oh yeah. Seconds are good. If somebody's trying to entice you on a trade Mm -hmm. by saying that they'll include like a second, a third, and a fourth in next year's rookie draft, like the like you got to think about the odds that any one of those picks is going to be is going to turn into a usable player, and outside of the first round, the likelihood drops very steeply. So I would say like, and you can put any of this into like one of those like dynasty trade calculator things online. Where if you you know you got side A gets this side B gets this, and you add a rookie second round pick to side B, and then you add a rookie third round pick to side B, and then you add a rookie fourth round pick to side <laughs> B, and like the scales don't really tip that much because yeah, those guys, it's all like a dart throw at that point. Gotcha. And what are some of those resources that you guys have used that have helped you? Yeah. So. There's a few. One, uh, I'll list out a bunch that I use, and Joe, feel free to jump in on any of these or if you have others. But the, the Fantasy Footballers, their website, their podcast. I, I also, they have a Dynasty podcast for the first time ever. I think they're like four episodes in. I sent that into the chat. They're a great resource. Me and Joe have been to the live shows and like met with them and kind of interact with that group. They're awesome, though. Well, they're also like a hilarious podcast. Uh, Reddit in general is really good. If you go to like our Dynasty FF, it's like, Almost all websites will post their stuff in the Reddit, so that's kind of a good way to get connected. I personally do use CBS a little bit, Fantasy Pros, uh, and Keep Trade Cut, I think, is a great one. That's also where they have a calculator. thing about Keep Trade Cut or KTC, you'll see it around, it's uh, every time you go on the website, they make you pick from three players to either keep, trade, or cut. It's usually three players around in the same value. So they're crowdsourcing the information. So all their rankings are based on everyone using the website. So it's crowdsourced. It's not at Fantasy Experts. It's just like the users kind of valuing the players. So they have the rankings. It's usually in Superflex, but there's a button to turn it off if you don't want Superflex. But they have a calculator too. So if you're doing trades, 
you, it's again, I wouldn't say like it is uh, exactly how you have the value of trades, but it's a good pr- uh, proxy to determine like, is this in the ballpark? There's also, if you Google like a dynasty trade uh, value charts or calculators, they're all over the place and stuff too. So you can find it that way. But uh, Joe, I don't know if you have other resources you want to throw out. Uh, the fantasy footballers are my go-to. I've been listening to them for honestly, probably like six or seven years at this point, if not more. Uh, everything that I know and love about fo- fantasy football, kind of uh, the knowledge comes from these guys. They're great. They do have a um, um, ultimate draft kit, they call it, and the ultimate draft kit plus. The ultimate draft kit is a great resource for um, redrafts. Um, Ultimate Draft Kit Plus has some Dynasty stuff in there as well. Obviously, you have to pay a little bit more for the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, but they're good resources. Um, The rankings are good. Um, I think those guys are good. Uh, Other than that, so, I mean, like, I'm a sports better too, as you guys obviously know. So I listen, like, I listen to, you know, like RJ Bell's Dream Preview and and other, like, sports sports betting focused podcast throughout the course of the week. And that also kind of like influences some of my fantasy decisions as well. If they're particularly bullish on the over in a given game or, you know, like if I hear them talking favorably about uh, advanced metrics of a quarterback or this or that, it might influence who I would target in a, for fantasy. So I would say those are probably in addition to some of the things that they've mentioned where I would commonly go. Just, Try to consume as much information as you possibly can, and uh, and then just and this podcast, obviously. This. <laughs> nice. Well, any other questions related to Dynasty? I think we're good. Let's get into those trades. All right, get a trade. So we actually have had some pre-draft trades. We had two of them. And if you are in this league, you probably have a full inbox from Schluter. I actually ha- think I have one from him right now that I forgot he sent me that I have to check out later. Um, and both these trades include none other than Schluter in there. But we'll go through the first one. So we have Schluter and the Wilkinson Finishing Co. So Ryan on board here. We have someone on hand that can kind of talk to this trade. But I'll give you the quick overview. So... Ryan acquired the first round pick from Schluter, which I believe is what the 107 he got from Schluter. So, like, that's very key, when we're, especially when we're talking the first round, like the exact pick in the first round matters. And, Ryan, you have your actual pick in the first round is 101. 101. You have 101 so, and 107. Yeah. 101 and 107. So, he got the 107. He's got the fourth round, a sixth round, and an eighth round. And Ryan gave up. The second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth. Ryan also gave up his rookie 201 and got Schluter's 207 in the rookie round. So Ryan's first, a second, and third round pick. So those like Ryan's always at the turn. So with the second, third, he gave up the last pick of the second, but he gave up the first in the pick of the third, last pick of the fourth, first in the uh, fifth. So he gave up a lot of picks there, but he got the 107 to pair with his 101. So. And obviously a rookie spot, but Ryan, I guess speak to your motivation on the trade. I, I think Schluter, we knew he was just accumulating picks, but for you, let's figure it out. Yeah. So I, I was kind of glad to hear you guys say that anything outside of the first round in the rookie draft isn't too, too valuable. Cause for that side of it, that was our thought really. Schluter wanted to throw in the extra rookie swap and we really didn't think too much of it moving back a few picks in the second round. So mm-hmm. we were focused pretty much on the main trade. 
And yeah, we just kind of valued who we thought were like absolute studs. And we got to seven guys. So we felt if we can get two of the top seven picks, we can have two of those guys as the cornerstone of our team for, you know, hopefully years to come. So I know a lot of people probably look at it and think we gave up a lot, but for us, we gave up the second round pick, but that became another first round pick. So we really just looked at it as we're giving up our third, fourth, and fifth for a fourth, sixth, and eighth. There's still all kind of mid round picks. There's not, you know, someone that shooter is going to take with our third round pick and we're going to take in the eighth round could end up being just as valuable. So we were going after the studs and we thought with that seventh pick, we could really get another stud for our team. Yeah. I mean, when I'm looking through the rankings, uh, like of who I would pick in the early round, obviously you're getting one of the, if not the, the one or probably top three quarterback in the league. Uh, in there, depending how you think of there, but there might be three elite guys. I personally think there's like one or two. Um, you're going to get that guy and you're going to pair him with potentially another stud quarterback. So like you won't have to potentially worry about quarterback for years to come, or there's two wide receivers that could be in that mix as well, who are also elite, elite athletes and uh, assets there. So yeah. I get it. Those are going to be anchors and then you can just tinker with the rest of the lineup from there. Yeah, and that was our thought. We'll see if one of those wide receivers falls to us, but if not, we probably go with a second quarterback, and we have, you know, hopefully two stud quarterbacks for the the next five to ten years. Yeah, Joe, who do you think won the trade? By the way, I want to throw it. It's a really tough call. Yeah. For me personally, I, I I think it's a good value on each side. I'm not going to lie. I do. I do. Uh, you know, like obviously. Uh, picking up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth is nice, right? Like you're getting extra picks in many of the critical rounds, but you're also sacrificing. So Schluter will pick, he would have picked in the seventh. He would have picked in the seventh position, which means his first pick in the draft isn't going to be until 14, which... Until the the next trade. Until, yeah, until his next trade. <laughs> yeah. So he'll Schluter, pick, he'll pick a little bit earlier in the first, but he had to make another move in order to get back into the first. Yeah, but, but he got it before that trade happens, right? Like if we're if we're kind of looking at this uh, in the moment of the, when the deal happens, gut reaction tells me I would love to have uh, a, an extra second, third, fourth, fifth. So uh, like, gut reaction is to lean more towards Schluter, but when you think about a dynasty startup. And, and you're not picking first until 14th, that is a definite, definite disadvantage. So, yeah. uh, you know, with a gun to my head, I would probably lean on the Wilkinson side. It's very close, but not having a pick until the 14th in a dynasty is tough. So, yeah. Net, net, if we were to look back on this five years from now, the odds are, are probably more likely that uh, Schluter will end up being the winner because he has five more dart throws in the early rounds, but he also has one less uh, dart throw at a significantly bigger target in the first round. So, you know, it, it, we'll see how it goes. If it was me, uh, I, I would not personally want to not wait until the 14th pick to make my first selection. So I would lean on the Wilkinson side slightly. Yeah. I, uh, 
My take is in a vacuum looking just at the picks, I actually think Schluter got incredible value. But I will say when you're making a move for the 1.07, you're going to have, like, you're not getting, you're not trading fair value for that pick. You have to go above and beyond to make someone want to do that. And that's just look at the pick. Now, when you take the bigger picture and you understand Ryan's team situation, having the 101 and then you add a 107, that from like a, a team construction, that's huge. Like if, like if you, the 101 and the 107 put together, that makes a ton of sense. And that is an awesome value. So like, and that's also why I'm saying like trades are going to complete depending on the situation teams are dealing with. Like if I gave up this trade for stuff like that, if I got the 107, I'm also picking at 111. That would be dumb for me to give up all those picks. I'm not going to end up in as good a situation. But if you have the 101 and the 107, that makes a, a world of difference. But Ryan, any parting thoughts before we move to the next trade? No, I think that's just kind of how we were looking at it. Like we have the 101, so we're going to get a stud. And then that 107 gets us another one. Whereas our second round pick already wasn't going to be until the 24th pick. Yeah. So really <laughs> we're moving up from the 24th pick all the way to the seventh, you know, traded fourth round picks. So to us, you know, we gave up a, a third and a fifth for a sixth and an eighth, which uh, you know, I thought it was good value. I, I dig it. Um, but moving forward, I, I got to say, the Schluter's wheel and yeah. I combining the two trades, Schluter made out like a bandit, I feel like. I mean, now. Schluter destroyed the second trade. In he my destroyed world. the second trade. Yeah. yeah. So Schluter, he moved out. He had the 107 move that. He then, him and uh, Matt Rosinski, and uh, it's really Dan Rosinski. Uh, Matt's <laughs> just like a figurehead. Um <laughs> <laughs> traded and he got back in the first at the 108. He moved back one spot, one spot. and now he has a, like a treasure trove of picks and by moving back one spot. So he gave up a uh, the third and the fifth that he got out of the first trade along with his own third. So he gave up two thirds, but he got the 108 and he gained another fifth and another six, which I think that's incredible. He didn't have to give up a second. He gave up two thirds. One that was one he was already given to. So he still has two seconds. He got to have the 108, and now he has two uh, – he still has a fourth, and he has two fives as well. And actually, yeah. It's all, and he it's, still it's, has fourth. It's, it's, it's solid. Crazy. The fact that he gave up both of his thirds is – But he has a first and two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah, that's nice. Which is huge. There's no denying he's in a strong position. If, if you because if you think the, about it, I am a first, first, second, and third. He has a he has an earlier first than me and two seconds. Like he's yeah. already he's in a very leg up yeah. what I got. You, you got to look at the two trades together, and if you're looking yeah. at them combined, he literally traded back one spot in the first and has two second round picks and gave up a third. Like I mean, that's he ended up with. Yeah, he upgraded his third to a back. second by moving back yeah. <laughs> yeah. spot. And that's a great. And he also gained a fifth. Like he has two fifths as well. If we're talking about the merit of making trades pre-draft, there's a good example. There of it is. How you exactly. Merit of making yeah. trades pre-draft because. And now looking so. at it from Matt Rosinski's side, you know what? What do you guys think? There, he gave up that first. He was asking yeah. so much more for me for that pick. I because like I was trying to get that I pick thought, for so much more, yeah. and I saw this got, come through, and I'm like, bro, what happened he, here? He, I was getting hit up for so much more. He definitely devalued his first round pick significantly. Picking twice, yeah. picking twice in the third is definitely nice, but now he's in the Schluter position where he's not making his first pick until 
Yeah, well, he's picking three times in the third. He's got yeah, three thirds because he kept his three own. Three thirds, that's right. Yeah, two extra thirds. Yeah, but he's not he's not making his first pick in the draft until after the one after the turn. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, tough. I think Maybe, uh, and he also upgraded a rookie pick too. I might be like, a though, partner for him with 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 those two picks right at the turn if he wants to move up a little bit. He, I've been talking to him already about again. I have I have something in pl- like on in my inbox. I gotta think about. Um, he threw he, the thing is he he sends a lot of picks, so you get dizzy and you don't really understand anymore what's going on in this trade. Uh, so gotta, I gotta spend some time and look it over. Um, but yeah, so that's great. I'm sure there'll be a lot more transactions will be going on in the next pod. Now. Get into the last final segment. We had the NFL draft. Um, there's NFL draft going on right now. We're in the third round. The Giants, as you heard, made a, another great pick. Got a wide receiver, uh, doing awesome. Uh, screwed Philadelphia. But anyway, some of the quick highlights we had from yesterday. Uh, quarterbacks, three quarterbacks went very early. Had Bryce Young to Carolina, Stroud to Houston, and Anthony Richardson to Indy at four. Levis fell out of the first, but he got picked up very quickly. Ended up going to Tennessee at pick, I believe, 33 to the Titans. Uh, Bajan got top 10 draft capital going at number eight to Atlanta. He is easily the 101 in all rookie drafts, no matter the format. They are going to run a ton. Gibbs, shocker of the draft, going 12 alone just like the fact that he got like top half of the first round uh draft capital was just silly and then going to detroit who just invested in monty and, uh, and has swift there we'll get into that later but that was a shocker tonight the also factoring that two running backs got drafted before a single wide receiver is just like just insane in today's nfl but then we did have a run of four straight wide receivers uh starting at 20 with jsn to seattle uh quinn johnson to the uh, Chargers at 21, Zay Flowers to Baltimore, and Addison, uh, Jordan Addison to the Vikings. And then Kincaid was the first tight end selected with Buffalo Bills moving up. So we, we know Josh Allen uh, is always going to spread the ball around. So who knows what that means for Dawson Knox, but they moved up for that. Second round, as I mentioned, Bull Levis got picked. There was a run on tight ends, Laporte to Detroit, Mayer to Vegas, and Musgraves to the Packers, and a few other wide receivers. Mingo was an early pick. Uh, I was actually surprised by that, but uh, he did get some hype at the end as a big wide receiver in this class of midgets. Um, and then Rashid Rice to the Chiefs. And Charbonnet went to Seattle as well, which I know Joe is going to talk about a little bit. But, yeah, those are some of the quick hitters. Let me hear your guys' thoughts on, uh, on the draft so far. Yeah, I mean, I thought Richardson at four was a little surprising to me. I know he was rated as like a a high QB, but, you know, to go one, two, and four QBs, I was a little surprised that they traded up um, to take him up there. But I think you hit on pretty much most of the shockers in the first round. Yeah, for me, the Lions, I'm really, you know, Dave, you and I were texting about this. I'm not sure what the Lions are thinking. Um, They have – a lot of needs and um, taking an early running back after, after, you know, like the messaging in the off season was them going for their guy in Montgomery. They paid Montgomery a lot of money. They had, I mean, I know they parted ways with Jamal Williams, but they have uh, DeAndre Swift on the roster, which I guess we'll, we might get to that later. DeAndre Swift, probably not long for the lions, but not totally sure that that was a, the most worthwhile value that they could have gotten out of such a high draft pick. 
Seattle, I'm not 100% certain that Jackson Smith and Jigba is not the worst landing spot for JSN. You know, like just thinking about that, they throw the ball a decent amount. But, you know, now that we're talking about the fact that they just added yet another running back, you know, maybe it's More a dreadful good. landing spot for JSN. Yeah. Um, you know, the wide receiver run to me was interesting. I think that, I mean, we'll get to this, but I think that of those four, Zay Flowers probably is the most interesting to me. Um, and um, Michael Meyer is interesting to me at, in Las Vegas after they just sent um, Waller, Darren Waller over to the Giants. There's a vacancy there. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, known to target the tight end. I think that there there could he's a good receiving tight end. I guess yet to be seen whether or not he'll be able to block. But in my opinion, and I know it take usually uh, tight ends take a while. He's someone that I would I might have my eye on uh, just based on the way that Vegas has used tight end in the past. Having Garoppolo as the quarterback there, having the vacancy with Waller, I think there's potentially some uh, opportunity. Overall, you know, I, I I'm not in love with Atlanta as the landing spot for Bijan. I would have I would have liked maybe a more dynamic offense for him, but I guess he will get the opportunities in Atlanta. So, well, yeah, that is a good segue because we're gonna each hit up our favorite pick so far, and Ryan actually has Bijan. I actually don't mind the Bijan spot either, but Ryan, why don't you tell yeah. us your I- favorite pick uh, of the draft so far and describe why. Yeah, I had him as my favorite pick. I I don't know if I necessarily love the pick from the Falcons perspective, but in terms of a landing spot for him, you know, I mean, it's not the best offense, like you said, but that almost is why it's good for him. I I just imagine them running him to the ground this year. And I, I can't really picture many other teams where he'd get the opportunity to step in there and get, you know, 20, 30 touches a game, which I imagine he'll get. So I think he's super, super valuable right off the bat. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, Atlanta wants to run the ball. They had Algier, who was a fifth-round pick, crush it the back half of the year. They had Cordell Patterson at 30 years old be a top-10 running back two years ago. exactly. Now they have someone who's actually a generational talent at running back. I think they're going to do pretty good with him. Uh, But Joe, why don't you tell us your, your favorite pick? Zay Flowers. Yeah. Zay Flowers. Sorry. I had a technical <laughs> <laughs> difficulty there. Yeah. No. So Zay Flowers is my favorite pick. I was actually going to – I mean, my thing about Atlanta is, like, who who's really going to be the quarterback there? You know, like, is it going to be Desmond Ritter? Is it going to be Taylor Heineke? I guess I guess Taylor Heineke is probably the best scenario. Like, if you really want to, like – if you're expecting <laughs> If you're expecting Bijan to do things uh, immediately – Taylor Heineke might be the best option, but uh, yeah. So for me, uh, I love Zay Flowers. I love Zay Flowers, obviously, because he's a Boston College Eagle and as am I, but (laughs) I think that Zay Flowers adds what the Ravens are desperately needing in their offense, which is uh, an explosive playmaker that's not Lamar Jackson. I think that they hoped that Rashad Bateman would be that for them, and I think that he was injured right from the get-go, and Bateman has been strong, but uh, very limited in in the times that he's been on the field. 
Um, you know, they have Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has been solid, but Mark Andrews, I wouldn't necessarily call Mark Andrews an explosive playmaker, whereas Zay Flowers has, has tremendous speed. He's a good route runner. He actually, like, I mean, they were comparing him on the on the broadcast last night to Tyreek Hill. I think that's just because he's fast and he occasionally uh, had some running touchdowns at Boston College. But the fact that he he has that in the arsenal and that he had a decent amount of success running the ball at BC, that's something that the Ravens can possibly um, exploit in their offensive scheme. So. I think that of those four wide receivers that went in that cluster, um, you know, later we'll talk about some of the other guys there that went in that in that cluster. I have other opinions on, but mm-hmm. um, you know, to me, he seems like he's in the best position to uh, make an immediate impact. Yeah, and and my favorite pick, uh, Anthony Richardson at four. So like. We saw the combine. He is literally, this is not hyperbole, literally the most athletic quarterback ever. <laughs> Guy is a freak. It's out of control. He has some concerns about his accuracy. But, and like, who would he play to start his career? He, with number four overall draft capital, he's going to play. He's the franchise. You don't make that pick. Uh, he also didn't just get picked. The new head coach of the uh, Colts is Shane Steichen, who was the offensive uh, coordinator for the Eagles this past year. And he was the one that coordinated the whole Jalen Hurts offense with rushing the ball, forcing all those rushing uh, touchdowns with Hurts. This AR is significantly more athletic than Jalen Hurts. Again, the most athletic quarterback ever. So, yes, He's a bit of a progress uh, project, has things that he has to work on. He is, has the potential to be the number one quarterback in the entire league at some point for fantasy because of rushing ability. Not the, the best passer. I don't think he'll ever get there. But with his position and the draft capital, he's very, very interesting and potentially being the number one rookie quarterback option. I'm, I don't know where I'm going with it. He's not a safe option, but he has a lot of upside. It, it seems – with the draft capital to be a little safer. Um, Going to move on. One other guy who I think – I don't love him, but for his own capital, uh, Quentin Johnson going to the Chargers. He was talked about getting dropped out of there. I personally am not a huge fan of him, but for his own career and in, uh, in money earnings, I guess, great spot for him um, in general. But I don't – I'm not a huge fan, but just in general, I thought that was better for him. But with all good, let's go later. bad. Yeah, we got I again I'm not a huge J yeah. fan. Yeah. Um what about everyone's least favorite pick? Um why don't you start on this one, Joe? Yeah, least favorite pick. Zach Charbonnet, I hate, and I think this will be a popular hate in the fantasy community. Yeah. Um Yeah, you mean you just can't really like you know, as we were kind of like thinking about where the best landing spots for Bijan Robinson were, Seattle was like very commonly talked about as the absolute worst case scenario because mm-hmm. they already have Kenneth Walker, who's uh, a locked and loaded workhorse in an offense where they do like to run the football. But uh, I think, unfortunately, Charbonnet, who showed a lot of promise, you know, I, I, I think Kenneth Walker will still get the majority of the carries there and Charbonnet will be a, he'll get, he'll be a number two. He'll be an afterthought. He'll get carries. But I think that if he had landed in a place where he could have gotten the majority of the carries or a larger share of the carries, it could have made a more immediate impact. 
Seattle, their whole draft to me is confusing. We just mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba in the the mid-back of the first round. And now Charbonnet. I just don't really understand what they're doing when they had a glaring need from a, a rushing defense perspective. They were like the third worst rushing defense in the league last year. And they have guys like uh, Kenneth Walker and DJ Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And, you know, like these are positions where it seems like they're, they're pretty solid and, and they're drafting reinforcements there when they have uh, greater positions of need. So, I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I've seen the Giants take (laughs) positions where I thought that they were pretty solid when they had other positions of need for years and years and years. So I'm not totally shocked, but from a fantasy perspective, it's unfortunate because Charbonnet and even Jackson Smith and Jigma maybe could have had more value elsewhere, but we'll have to see. Uh, you know, Geno Smith seems like it's going to be in the near term. You know, who's to say who their quarterback will be going forward? Yeah, that's a good segue right into my least favorite pick. It's, it's JSN. So I should also mention, I, I love JSN. Like, big fan. He's my wide receiver one in the class. Uh, I still view him as the wide receiver one because uh, I think long term his talent will prevail. But for immediate production, like this hurts. Like he is the third wide receiver on this team coming in because he is the rookie. DK is still young as well going up there. And I don't think Gino can support two top uh, three top wide receiver. He did two, but like to support three, like that's kind of crazy. And Gino is, I think, 31 now. Um, it's a three year deal he signed. So like even though I, like when eventually Lockett's gone next year, like Lockett, I'm pretty sure is like cap it he's going to be gone it's going to be jsn and metcalf next year but gino like who knows what he's going to be in a year so like yeah jsn won't have a lot of production early on then he's going to have a new quarterback somewhat early in his career so like i do think he's going to prevail i think he's going to be great long term but i was hoping for a much and there were just so many spots he fell there were so many opportunities for him to hit another spot that it was just devastating to see him fall here but again i still love him but just what could have been is what kills me but ryan what about your your pick yeah, I mean, mine's kind of a cop-out pick, I guess, because I think, you know, everyone would say it, but I, I had to go with Gibbs at 12 to the Lions. I think, you know, from a team perspective, but also from a player perspective, I mean, they already have Montgomery. I know Swift is probably on his way out the door, but just sort of a shocking pick. I don't think uh, anyone thought he'd go that high. There was a lot of talk on whether Robinson should even even go in the top half of the draft. So then to have Gibbs go 12 just seemed pretty crazy to me. I don't really know what they're thinking there, but um, I don't think it's a good situation for either of them. They also said they'd be comfortable taking about six, which is crazy if Bajon's on the board. I don't know what the lines are doing. They're yeah, I don't know if you guys but... saw the video, but there was a video of the, the celebration after the pick, and yeah, they, they, they seemed the super pumped, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, the lines are a sad franchise. Uh, but... <laughs> Moving on. So, obviously, with rookies getting drafted, that impacts them themselves, but it also impacts veterans. So certain veterans may be losing jobs or at least opportunities. So, uh, what veteran – or they may have gained, too, because they were at risk of losing that value. So, what veterans so far do you think we either gain value or at least maintain their value and, or and dodge a bullet? So, Ryan, I know you got one uh, that I think everyone's pretty much a fan of. and it, it, Some of this is also have to do with what happened before the draft, too. Yeah, so it kind of goes back to what Joe was talking about with Flowers, but I went with Lamar Jackson. I mean, the, the guy's had a, a, an unbelievable week. He 
gets his contract and then they draft flowers in the first round. You know, he's got Odell, he's got Andrews. I don't know if it's true, but I saw something today that he might even have Antonio Brown for a year. No, uh, AB saw the the comparisons of Zay Flowers to him, so he was like making a joke about oh, being gotcha. <laughs> Ravens. Yes, it doesn't make much sense, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's got an incredible receiving core now, and you know the the team, the offense that they got there. I think he's stacked, and uh, he should have an incredible fantasy year. So I, I went with him as my uh, most beneficial first round pick. All right, and. I love it. I like. I think a lot of people will agree with that. <laughs> what about you, Joe? <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, I would say maybe not necessarily a veteran, but someone that I was definitely keeping an eye on, and maybe selfishly as an owner in Dynasty as well, was Khalil Herbert for Chicago. I think Chicago. I think they had the pick after Atlanta in round one. They were kind of somebody who we we had our eyes on as a potential after letting David Montgomery go, um, potentially could be looking to add running um, running back depth. So the fact that they haven't added running back depth at this point, uh, probably a good sign that they have good faith in Khalil Herbert as maybe their, uh, you know, ground and pound type guy to start off the season. Uh, also, Ramondre Stevenson, I, I like the fact that uh, – I mean, New England added James Robinson recently, but also, you know, nice to see that um, New England not adding additional running back depth as well. So I think for me and, you know, Dave probably shaking his head because these are both guys that I have in different leagues that we're in together. But Herbert and, and Stevenson are guys that I personally and maybe selfishly had my eyes on that I'm feeling better about after the first two rounds. Yeah. And like a few other uh, running backs for the same exact reason, like the Gibbs and Bajan bullets were, were difficult bullets for a lot of running backs. So like, as you mentioned, Ramadre and Khalil Herbert, I mean, same could be said for Tony Pollard. Like they are linked to getting another running back. Uh, Damian Pierce and for the Texans, yep. he's not got a safe job. You got Pacheco, you got Penny. There's still a lot that can happen. Seeing the draft still, none of those jobs have been taken. There could be, who knows what happens mixing, who knows what happens with, but like for now, those were the jobs that seemed like the most likely to be replaced by a potentially young rookie. So having those all like get dodged bullets are pretty big in the, in, for those players' values. Also, like I know we, we mentioned uh, the hate towards uh, Seattle for some pick. Gino obviously is just like he's got all the weapons in the world, so he's like set up for success. So I think he made up big. And also a personal my guy that I love, Sam Howell of the Commanders. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he's on one of my dynasty leagues and all my dynasty. I just like want to get this guy. I don't know. I just like have a connection for him because I think I, I got him in like the fourth round of a dynasty pick, but he is still the starting quarterback and they did not spend any draft capital on a quarterback. So he's going to get play and he's got a lot of good wide receivers on his team. So like he could like not a high end guy, but like someone who like yeah. could have a job and, and, and could surprise people. So that's someone who I think uh, so far is doing pretty well. Um, what about, as we mentioned, some uh, players that did not do well? And I like – there's some clear losers here. I know uh, – I'll start with mine because mine, I think, is like one of the biggest losers. I know Ryan's got another uh, major loser. But mine is like De- uh, DeAndre Swift. Like, 
he starting last year, he was already not getting played a lot. He's fallen. He was getting hurt. Definitely fallen out of the coach's favor because he couldn't stay in the field. Uh, Jamal Williams took all the rushing work and the goal line work and he went away and they signed David Montgomery for significantly more money than Jamal Williams would have cost. And David Montgomery is a significantly better back. He can do all the things Jamal Williams uh, could have done and also catch the ball, which is what Swift does. They paid him. So you thought like, all right, whatever. Swift's still in the game. Monty's just going to take more work. But then they get Gibbs at pick 12, which is just a silly value for Gibbs to go in. Swift is gone. Swift is not on this team. He's getting traded. I don't know where he's going, but it, there is no chance he's on this team. So who knows? Maybe it turns out to be better for him getting a new start. But as long as he's on the Lions, he is dead to the Lions. There's like no value with him there. Um, as long as he's on so the field, he's a great player. I mean, even yeah. this year he started on one one catch he gets. <laughs> last year, 2022 season, Swift was somebody that I was targeting all over. And – First two to three weeks, it look I look like a genius, and then he goes down, and that's it. You know, like yeah. it's well, at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the thing with Dynasty. Like he was a story of his career. He he was a top ten, potentially top five Dynasty running back asset, and now he is like yeah outside the top 30, 40, like in yeah. a year. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ryan. What about your guys? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, running backs was a big one. Obviously, Robinson was my favorite pick. So any Atlanta running back, obviously a massive, massive downgrade there. I, you know, I think you basically just got to throw them on the bench. They're not going to be startable unless something happens with Robinson. But I also threw Jordan Love in there just because, you know, Green Bay traded away Aaron Rodgers. They're clearly going all in on Love as their quarterback of the future. But it doesn't seem like they have really helped him out too much in the first two rounds of the draft. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's been the best draft for him going forward, but uh, those were kind of my main losers of the first two rounds. Yeah, so what about you, me, Jeff? It's not necessarily losers, but it's just, it's just commentary and questionability around some of these wide receivers, and I know I kind of alluded that I was going to shoot back to this earlier, that run of four wide receivers, but think about it, right? Like um, guys that were drafted by the Chargers and the Seahawks in that kind of run of four and Quentin Williams and Jackson Smith and Jigba, they have a very similar athletic profile to guys like Mike Williams and Tyler Lockett that are already on the roster. So in my opinion, I'm just not a hundred percent sure that uh, you're going to, you're going to necessarily have, uh, you know, like Quentin Johnson, like uh, to me, big, tall, big bodied receiver, like uh, can go up and get the ball that that's Mike Williams. And, you know, Mike Williams obviously has some injury concerns and he's always had injury concerns. So heading into this year, like, you know, if Mike Williams has the same injury history that he always ha has had, will Quentin have the opportunities to jump in? Probably. And will he be able to do the same things as Mike? To me, they have very similar athletic profiles, so maybe. Uh, Tyler Lockett, similar situation with JSN, although Lockett's under contract for another two or three years. Um, they can get out of that contract after next year. He's a small guy. He does a really good job of not getting hurt, Lockett, but you never really know, right? Like, guys do a good job of not getting hurt until they get hurt. 
and you know maybe they are end up maybe they end up getting out of of Tyler Lockett after this year, knowing that they have a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba who's got a very similar athletic profile. So that's kind of what I'm thinking, guys. Like on either of these teams, where I didn't necessarily think they needed wide receiver, especially not the profile of the guys that they ended up taking. And then since we've been recording, the Saints draft Keandre Miller from TCU, who, um, you know, anybody knows that a bunch of us were big TCU fans about the course <laughs> of last year. Um, yes, Miller was a great running back for TCU, very quick, very shifty, very good pass catcher. Um, if you're thinking about Alvin Kamara's overall prospects, not that anybody's Super high on Alvin Kamara from a dynasty standpoint at this point going forward, given that he's been in the league for a number of years and he's obviously had an injury history himself. But they signed Jamal Williams in the offseason. They add Keandre Miller. I'm not necessarily sure Alvin Kamara's days are too, too long for being the, the biggest uh, show in town there. Not to say that he does, he won't. He's, 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 he's one of those guys where when you talk about, you know, like, the veterans or guys who you might be able to draft who could potentially with a new quarterback and an, and an offense that's going to be probably more dynamic this year than it was last year could potentially do really, really good things this year. Uh, beyond this year, I'm not totally sure Alvin Kamara is uh, a huge asset. Yeah. Running backs have a cliff. And yeah, it's, I agree. The wide receiver thing was weird. I do think Mike Williams, they can get out of his contract next year as well. They have like a decision between him, Keen Allen, I think like another player, Joey po- uh, Bosa. Like they have to cut at least one of them. Right. It seems like now Mike Williams is clearly the one because they have his replacement. Actually, of those three, I think the one who has the best opportunity is Jordan Madison um, going alongside with Justin Jefferson. He's He was a smaller, not overly athletic player, but he's a great uh, technician. And JJ is going to get doubled, so he's going to be <laughs> getting some weak opponents there. So I think actually he'll be getting some uh, good luck. I mean, KJ Osborne had had some big games, and he's a, a nothing special wide receiver. So Addison's a, a former uh, – what is that, Makoff? I forgot the, the name of the wide receiver award, but a uh, winner there as well. Um, but yeah, so those are our picks. Uh, we're about to finish up the third round in the NFL draft tomorrow. We'll see some more picks. Uh, it, obviously draft capital is a big factor. Uh, one little, uh, tip with dynasty following draft capital for the rookies that come in because that dictates opportunity and commitment from a team. Day three is not the greatest day for it, but you do find some diamonds, uh, in the rough in day three. Especially the, nowadays at right, uh, running back position, so I do expect to see some running backs pop up there. So we'll see how that looks. But that's our pod. It's our first ever pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it was a marathon. We got through uh, just over ninety minutes. Uh, so if it took a couple sessions to get through, we appreciate that. Um, in future episodes, we'll have intro and outro music once uh, I uh, refine our skills a bit more. But thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the NS. FW Dynasty Podcast. <laughs> Thank you.